everybody. Welcome to the Candlelight Conversations podcast. This podcast episode is inspired by a book that I just finished called 10% Happier, how I tamed the voice in my head, reduced stress without losing my edge, and found self-help that actually works by Dan Harris. This is a story about Dan Harris and his experience and success with meditation. The book was written in a story format talking about his career, his struggles with anxiety, including an on-air episode, drug addiction, and how meditation ultimately helped solve a lot of his problems. I thought it had a lot of meaningful content worth sharing, so I decided to turn the conversation into a podcast. A little bit of background on Dan is he's a recently retired American journalist for ABC News Company who was an anchor for Nightline and a co-anchor for the weekend edition of Good Morning America. He recently retired in September of 2021 to focus on his meditation company, 10% Happier, inspired by his journey and shares the namesake of his book, as well as meditation app focused on meditation and making it a more ingrained and seamless part of people's lives. And his company has a, the book, of course, podcast, and a newsletter. He talks a lot about the benefits of meditation, including stress reduction, happiness, and better sleep in addition to a whole host of others, which obviously have cascade effects in our lives. The premise and ultimate focus of this podcast is simply finding and doing something that can make you 10% happier each day and thinking about the compounding returns on that investment. And this was inspired by Dan Harris when he said, people asked him, why do you meditate? And he said, I don't know, it just makes me 10% happier every day. Back to the book a little bit. He The book is written in story format. It's a very light and enjoyable read. It's not like preachy or really lesson-based, um, although there are lessons to derive from his story. And it just shares a lot of his story and progression to where he is now. It talks about the big stories that he covered, including some of the mass shootings throughout the United States, wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, Israel, Gaza, the West Bank, covering stories on child slaves in Haiti, as well as Hurricane Katrina. And he had a high-flying news career. There was always competition to be chasing the next story, to be put on the air for the next big story, the next big break. And when he was in his early 30s, his inciting incident came about. Really, it, it was he talked about how they were always trying to capture the next story. So really, where did his interest in meditation come about and ultimately start the book, the podcast, the newsletter, and his company, which ultimately led him to leave the news industry? The inciting incident came in 2004 during a routine episode on Good Morning America when he had a panic attack on the air. He described how it was a routine day at the office. They had the teleprompter loaded up and he was just, they flipped to him from the weather and it was his turn to talk and he literally could not find the air to speak. Um, for anyone who's ever had a panic attack, there's really nothing going through your head. You have no idea what's going on sometimes. You're completely frozen. So you can imagine what that would feel like being on air uh, with millions of people watching and just being absolutely frozen. And he stumbled through some of the things that he was supposed to say, stuttered through his lines with seemingly no mental capacity. And this was a point in time where he realized he needed to make a change and he needed to take a long look in the mirror. He was in his early 30s on paper, doing everything right, climbing his career, though he struggled with the competitiveness of the industry a lot of the internal jockeying for position, which I think a lot of us can relate to within different companies and work, is that everyone's trying to outdo the guy next to them. Um, and when your, your success is shown through airtime, naturally you're seeking that next big story, that next big high. 
Similarly, he was struggling with drug addiction, which provided another form of high for him. And throw the two of those together, it's no surprise that something like that would happen on air. And he realized he just needed to look himself in the mirror, dust himself off, take a long look inward, and emerge stronger. And I think that everyone can probably relate to things like this happening in their life. When things are just going too fast, like I think back to March of 2020, whenever the pandemic first hit, everything was going so fast. Life was moving at an accelerated pace. And that was really the first time that we as an entire society had been forced to just completely stop, completely, you know, you were almost forced to take a look in the mirror and figure out who you really were during that time because you couldn't even do anything. Um, I think back to times in my life when things were moving too fast and I realized you need to pump the brakes, whether you choose to or whether life forces you to do that. Um, I think back to when I was sophomore year of high school, um, sometime my sophomore year of college, as well as the summer before my senior year of college. You know, my sophomore year of high school was really the inciting incident for my interest in mental health and studying mental health and psychology and how that manifests itself in our day-to-day lives. I think I kind of ran myself as my own case study uh, because I realized quickly how attuned I needed to be to my mental health and how that would impact my physical health. Again, you don't necessarily choose these things. Sometimes they're a result of life's circumstances. But in my case, from that point on, I, I found the study of of mental health and psychology very functional and interesting, which served as one of the motivations for ever even starting Candlelight Conversations back in March of 2020, was just to dive a little bit deeper on subjects that you know I've seen in my life, other people have seen and I feel are worth sharing on a larger scale. Anyways, back to Dan uh, and 10% Happier. After this incident, he started his own kind of self-help journey. And it started really lightly just by reading a little bit. He had been exposed to Eckhart Tolle and first started reading A New Earth, Awakening to Your Life's Purpose, which really talks about how the inner narrator in our head, which is that internal voice that sometimes we can't seem to shut up, um, is really our ego, constantly comparing our self-worth to others, whether it's their looks, their wealth, or social status, which is certainly something that you see driving a lot of people's actions in today's day and age. Oftentimes I wonder myself, is someone doing something because they find it intrinsically valuable or because of how it's going to externally appear to others? Um, And as part of his self-help journey, which was largely a product of his status as a news anchor, he was able to get on the air and talk with some of these guys, talk with some of the authors, which um, is nice that he was able to have access to that and made it that much more of an interesting pursuit. And so he talked with Eckhart Tolle um, and he interviewed him for a show. And he, I'm going to read a quote that he shared as part of the interview, which I think is meaningful for everyone. He said, make the present moment your friend rather than your enemy. Because many people live habitually as if the present moment were an obstacle that they need to overcome in order to get to that next moment. And imagine living your whole life like that, where always this moment is never quite right, not good enough because you need to get to the next one. That is continuous stress. And when you think about that, that that comes down to the chase and the pursuit and constantly needing to pursue the next big high, whatever it is. I think there's been examples where you see you know, someone's chasing a new job or a new salary, they get the job, they get the higher salary 
very quickly you adjust to a baseline level of happiness. So it's not something that sustainably makes a change in the long run. And that's just one uh, trivial example. But he continues his journey meeting with other self-help gurus, including one guy by the name of Dr. Mark Epstein, um, who talked about that concept that I just touched on, really that Dan is hunting around his plate for the next bite before he even tasted what's in his mouth. Um, and I think that probably a lot of us can relate to that, where you're on the hunt for the next thing, not even enjoying what's going on in the present moment. Um, and so I think that's something to be mindful of. And then Dr. Epstein also turns him on to the concept of meditation, which is something that oftentimes I find needs to be demystified because I think when people hear about meditation, they think, you know, someone who's sitting, you know, cross-legged in a robe uh, or hanging upside down from a tree, you know, going, hmm, and doing different chants. And, and that's frankly not really what meditation is. Meditation is really just exercise for the brain, an opportunity to sharpen and intensify focus. Um, so Dan starts to do it and realizes that it's not exactly what it's cracked up to be. Anyone can do it anytime. And really the whole point is to catch your mind wandering and to, to return to whether it's the breathing, whether it's counting, whatever it is, because meditation can take a lot of forms. And just trying to take some time each day to tame the runaway train of the mind, which I think is very valuable and very important. And meditation is something that I personally um, find very helpful, very beneficial. I try to meditate every single day. Um, I usually do it first thing, and, and I find that it helps me be much more calm, much happier, more focused, less reactive, um, which I think are all, and, and it helps me sleep as well, and which I think are all pretty important things. And, and the investment of 10 to 15 minutes to do that has um, a, a very high return on investment, I'll say that. And one helpful acronym that, that, they shared in the book that corresponds with a calmer and more rational approach to dealing with emotions and feelings that arise during meditation was RAIN, R-A-I-N, with R being recognize, A, allow, I, investigate, and N, non-identification. And just to go in order, recognizing is when you're meditating or when you're going throughout the daily life, recognizing the different thoughts, feelings, and emotions that you have rather than just suppressing them. And then A, allowing, saying, it's okay that I feel this way. I, I'm allowed to feel sad. I'm allowed to feel upset. I'm allowed to feel happy. You have to kind of let yourself feel these things. And then I, investigating, thinking about getting to the root cause of that. Why am I upset? What actually is, is bugging me right now? And then N, non-identification, saying, you know, just because I feel sad in the present moment doesn't mean I'm a sad person overall. Just because I feel upset right now doesn't mean I'm a mad, upset person overall. And so I think that's a pretty rational approach to dealing with thoughts, feelings, and emotions, many of which would, would come about during meditation because that may be the only time that we give ourselves to become attuned and understanding of the way that we're feeling. And so I thought that was something that was definitely worth sharing. Um, and as Dan continued his meditation journey, one of the things that he was recommended to do was to go on a retreat with another guru called Joseph Goldstein. And so he went on a 10-day silent retreat and you weren't allowed to talk. The only times that you could talk was when you were talking with one of the meditation teachers. So I've never gone hardly an hour without talking. So I have no idea what this would be like. But 
understandably so, there were a lot of struggles, particularly adjusting to waking up at five in the morning every single day and not being able to talk, sitting at a a lunch or a dinner table in complete silence. Um, I think a lot of people would definitely struggle with that. Um, But one of the quotes that they talked about in regards to the rationale behind the retreat was, retreats offer a sacred space, protected and removed from the world, intended to allow participants to quiet the mind and open the heart. And on this retreat, they talked a lot about meditation, of course, because they were doing it hours and hours and hours a day. Um, And one of the things that I thought was an interesting form of meditation to work into, you know, a pre-existing meditation practice, which I've actually started doing ever since I read about this, something called a meta meditation, which is essentially wishing well for others, um, thinking positively about people, whether it's praying for people, whether it's just sending thoughts their way. And one of the, the lines that they had talked about on the retreat was, may you be happy, may you be safe and protected from harm. May you be healthy and strong, and may you live with ease. And so simply just going down through people that pop into your head and just making those simple four wishes for them is something that can be compassionate and um, certainly powerful, I believe. And this kind of reminds me of something that one of my close buddies, whose brother has fragile X syndrome, told me that every day he prays for three things for his brother, that he's happy, he feels good about himself, and that he feels a sense of purpose and fulfillment in life. And so I think some combination of these seven things uh, can be very powerful, but just the practice of every day genuinely wishing others in our lives well, I think is a very powerful thing to do. Um, And another thing they talked about on the retreat is, you know, think about the personal level. We tend to get bogged down in the monotony of everyday life. I mean, there's always a responsibility. There's always something to do. Ask yourself, is this useful? Is the mental time that I'm taking and giving to this useful. It's okay to worry, plot, plan, you know, a little bit thinking about things into the future, but only until it's really not useful anymore, because I think that we can tend to kind of overload ourselves in that regard and and thinking what matters most, what do I really want? And so I think as you start to ask some of those more difficult questions, you start to thin slice things out of life that just really don't matter. Um, Whether it's, you know, useless calls, whether it's, Um, spending mental time on things that just don't really add any value to your life or anyone else's. I think that as you start to think along those lines, you know, life starts to become more purposeful. And as Dan continues along the journey of meditating and then, of course, returning to work, it's not a retreat all of life. You know, of course, there's people that are skeptical. And there's certainly people in the modern day that are skeptical as well. What is meditation? Why would you spend 15 minutes breathing and counting and wishing other people well and thinking about your thoughts and feelings? That's like soft or why would you do that? Um, Which I always find pretty funny given that you talk to a lot of the, the most successful people in the world are doing some form of meditation in their daily lives. So clearly the results... Uh, there's a track record for that. But anyways, um, and, and his simple response to people when they asked him why he meditated was, I do it because it makes me 10% happier. And then he talks about the compounding effect of doing something that makes you 10% happier every single day and the return on investment of that. I mean, if, if from a financial perspective, you got a 10% annual return on investments, you know, think about the compounding effect of that. 
Um, and you know, just how valuable doing something every single day that makes you 10% happier, 10% better, whatever it may be, and, and what effect that can have in the long run. I think that's, that's very powerful. And for him, obviously, he has a platform, being on the news, having millions of viewers, and having the opportunity to craft different stories for Good Morning America and Nightline, how he chooses. Of course, he was able to interview different authors and self-help gurus, but by sharing his story, owning his story on anxiety, and sharing the things that he had been through, I think that he was trying to shine light on you know, some of the things that can, can help other people and having the platform to do that. And of course, he talked about meditation, you know, and hoping that other people get involved in that and how it made him 10% happier and less reactive. And, and really with the pipe dream of having our world be a better place, which of course led him to come up with his company 10% happier, the book, the podcast, the meditation. And so I think that's really, really an interesting story. Um, and so for me, of course, that's a lot of the things that I learned from the book and trying to extend them into our everyday lives. But now I'll turn the question to you. What can you do every day to make you 10% happier? What, what could you add into your personal routine that could make you 10% better, 10% happier, 10% whatever metric you're trying to, to do every single day? Of course, there's a lot of time-tested things that can contribute to that. I mean, good sleep, consistent exercise, meaningful social interactions, eating healthy, meditating. I mean, these things are so simple and really easy to integrate that they're almost often overlooked. Um, you know, but I think the important things is customizing things that fit into your life, creating a routine to integrate things that work for you. Um, and of course, being consistent with it to continually build on the 10% happiness growth. You can't just do something one day of the week and expect that it's going to have its returns. It's got to be every day. Um, and really, from a physical, mental, spiritual perspective, there's a lot of upkeep in order to stay balanced and in order to stay happy. So as far as the book's concerned, uh, I certainly highly recommend checking it out, reading the story, seeing how meditation worked for Dan. Um, something that can definitely work for you. Like I said, I do it almost every day and it helps me a lot. And uh, I feel much sharper, less reactive, more focused, happier, less stressed. And, and I feel like I go through days with much more ease. Things just don't bother me, get to me. Maybe sometimes too much ease actually. But um, and in addition, 10% happier. The company has a lot of resources out there, including the meditation app, the podcast, and of course the book. Um, but really... Find what makes you 10% happier and 10% better every day. Your future self will definitely thank you. So thanks for listening. If you have any feedback, please feel free to let me know. Please subscribe to my podcast wherever you listen to them, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and share the episode with someone who you think could benefit or a friend or someone who you think you know needs to hear this message. And I'm also releasing this podcast in conjunction with my weekly Spark which is a weekly email offering an actionable message of reflection on different topics that I consider meaningful, pretty much whatever I feel like writing about, which is the same as my podcast. And you can subscribe to that on candlelightconversations.substack.com or just simply send me your email. So thanks again for listening. I'm excited to maybe get back into doing more podcasts on a more frequent basis. And I always appreciate the support, but as always, take care of yourself and take care of each other.